Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Albstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, here with co-host, Keith Myers. Keith, how you doing? I'm doing good. See this giant coffee I'm drinking? I don't feel nice. Like, I'm feeling great right now. Yeah, it's 100 degrees here, so I'm not drinking coffee. I'm oh, no, actually it's, drinking it's some a, lemonade. It's like 62 and a light rain uh, here, so uh, yeah. it's, it's nice. I am enjoying it because... I haven't I seen a cloud for a hundred days, and I kid you not. Oh, I don't. I don't doubt that. Like I said, I used to live down in the desert, and after it's a while, crazy. I just got tired of it. I'm like, it, can, it's can, weird. Can like we wake see, up? It's blue sky. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I really enjoy waking up early. I like I wake up like six, six fifteen, six thirty at the latest. You know, put on some clothes quickly, makes a pot of coffee, go sit out on my patio have a cup of coffee when it's 80 some odd degrees you know, before it gets hot and uh, just, and, and listen to the birds and, you know, get, have the dogs out in the yard and they're like, you know, playing and uh, it's, it's nice to be able to do that. Uh, but you're right. It's the same every day. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy how similar it is every day. It's, it's just nuts. Anywho, Lou, uh, I am really happy to be here and record and kind of get lost for an hour and a half while we, while we do that, uh, with everything else going on in the world. An hour and um, a half. So we're, we, we've completely dropped the, uh, attempt at keeping these shows under an hour. Is that, yeah. And I mean, we're, soon, uh, we're 179 be... shows into this and I think we've done it once. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Crazy. Um, today, so we've got the next, uh, four or five shows planned out. Um, today we're doing, uh, breakout players. Uh, f- we're doing, uh, we brought our own list, five breakout players on offense that we think are going to, uh, have, have breakout years next week. We're going to do the defense and then, uh, we're going to come back in about three weeks and do a best and worst case win loss scenario, uh, show which would be kind of fun. Then we've got a special guest right before training camp week, uh, the week of July 22nd. We're going to have uh, guest Dana O'Gorman join us for a look around the NFL, just general discussion, talk about what's going on out there um, as we get closer to hopefully the season. And then the week of July uh, 27th, um, we're going to record our training camp preview show. That is training camp week when everybody shows up and, uh, hopefully we have a ton of talk about at that point. And, um, but it's, it's curious. I mean, before we get started with our show today, you know, you, you, you watch the news about the COVID stuff and you just get discouraged as a person, uh, not only going through your own life and your own f- dealings with your family and, and trying to just navigate what's going on out there, but you, you're trying to hope for sports and, um, you know, the NBA is trying to start their season again in about a month. And uh, they're having a tough time with some COVID uh, infections with a couple different teams. You've got Major League Soccer that's uh, going into a bubble situation in Orlando. 
that have uh, upon arriving into that bubble, one team has six players test positive, uh, and now they're going to be going into quarantine. Um, and so that you know, you're just trying to gauge the reality of are we really going to play a season, and what will it take for that to actually happen? Um, do we need you know the current spike levels? for uh in 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 multiple states to go down to trend down in order to even be able to have it be possible or can we play through the current um atmosphere as it is with with these different spikes going on all over the place and trying to navigate that it's it's somewhat uh, it's just hard to kind of wrap your brain around the whole thing um but the good news is we're here and we're going to talk Seahawks football and we're going to kind of try to put that aside. And at least for the, I don't know, the benefit of everyone just kind of pretend that nothing, nothing's really going to go, go on and go, go wrong. And we're just going to, you know, play forward. So where are you at with this whole thing? Uh, right now? I mean, I, I like the the team the the league has already announced they're going to cancel two of the preseason games um and and you know just to try and keep the you know the the give the teams an opportunity to to hopefully not have a big epidemic right before the season and all of that I think they should push the season back like don't cancel games just start the season later um because the further back you push it the closer you're starting to uh, when a vaccine will be available. And if you want to push it back and make it a spring league this year uh, and play starting in March, then go for it. Because currently, you know, you've got projections from, uh, you know, Anthony Fauci and other uh, experts that say we could have a working vaccine by the end of the year and have it out to the majority of the country by uh, by sometime in March. So let's start playing football then. So we know we don't have to give up any games. We don't have to worry about like starting the season and then shutting it down or anything like that. I mean, that's, that's what I would be, um, would be doing, but they, they're intent on, on trying to play as is. And if you're going to do that, then cool. Um, our first game right now, first regular season game is mid September. Mm-hmm. Uh, September 13th. That's really gives us a little bit of time now here to figure this out and trying to understand if, you know, if we can realistically stay on that schedule or if it is better to postpone it or, or drop it back a couple months. Um, <clears throat> you know, and I think we all just need to kind of psychologically prepare for that. I mean, we've done really well so far and psychologically dealing with all of this to this point. Um, and we certainly all want something to look forward to and hope for and so forth. <clears throat> and we need to keep that alive for as long as we can. But as we get closer to that time frame, we need to realistically be honest about where we're at. And if the league decides, um, you know, there's a lot of economic pressure, not only just for the, the players and the contracts and the teams, but all the supporting economies around NFL football and so forth. It's a big decision that affects a lot of people. So they want to do the right thing. They want to make sure everyone's healthy, I think, first and foremost. So we'll see. Um, so today, no, well, you did mention that they're, they're going to um, cancel the first preseason game and the fourth preseason game, mm-hmm. uh, which means that we will be traveling to play the Houston Texans, and then the Chargers will be coming into the 
uh, CenturyLink in Seattle. So um, I think that's probably a good idea. They want to limit exposure as much as possible and as long as possible. So that gives them a little extra time to kind of figure it all out. So again, today we are talking breakout players. Um, and on offense. On offense. And the, and the real, the, the rule is that we weren't supposed to include rookies. Um, although we'll talk about a couple of them towards the end of the show, we'll add a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason, and so we let, kept it let's discuss the second, reasoning behind that. Year players and, let's, yeah, talk the, sure. let's talk about the reasoning behind that. Because, um, so we were texting back and forth trying to figure out, like, are we allowed to include rookies on our lists and that kind of stuff? And I mean, you are, what we, way, the way we define a breakout player is someone who statistically has this big jump in production. So they go from being, you know, like a role player to being a uh, massive contributor, a star, that kind of thing. Um, and how do you determine that with a rookie? Like, are they a, um, are their stats going from zero to whatever? Because then if you think about it, you can have, you can make a case that any rookie that plays, even if they don't make a huge contribution, uh, and they still are making, it's still a massive jump from zero stats to whatever they did. And so then you have these people who are like, you know, playing a few snaps a game that would count. And we didn't want to include that. So we were like, okay, let's scrap rookies and hold it to, um, to just the, uh, second year players or older. Um, and so, and then that's, that's the definition though, is, is players that had a contribution last year, did something. And then this year we're expecting a huge jump in productivity. Yeah. I think that says it, uh, for the most part, except for like, uh, linemen. I think we've, uh, I've got one and you've got one, I think in your list that we talked about earlier. Um, and, uh, those guys were just looking for, you know, coming from a non-starting situation to coming into a starting situation on the line, making a big impact um, and as, playing as far well. as that is and playing well. Yeah. So, okay. So we're kind of, uh, kind of put these guys in reverse order guys that are uh, breakout players, but you know, five, four, three, two, one, one being the guy that we expect to have the largest impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go first. Uh, my first guy is Jacob Hollister. Uh, we signed Jacob, uh, Jacob Hollister to a restricted free agent deal, second round tender in the offseason at $3.27 million for 2020, which a lot of folks looked at that and thought it was high. It's non-guaranteed, so they're looking at him maybe as a cap guy, but I don't think so. I think Jacob Hollister is a guy they really like, um, a guy that in 2018 had four receptions for 52 yards with the New England Patriots. We acquired him, you know, right before the season for a seventh round pick. Um, he was hurt initially and then uh, ended up playing in 11 games last year, had 41 receptions, 349 yards and three touchdowns all in 11 games. Um, so I think, you know, for me, projecting him forward, you put him in 16 games with that same sort of production. You're looking at 60 receptions, 500 yards, five TDs. And for a third tight end kind of a guy, um, that's excellent production. You know, and when you look at him statistically and kind of as some advanced stats, pro football focus type stuff, 
Um, he gets some of the best separation in the league from the tight mm-hmm. end position right off the line at 6.8 yards of cushion. And then when he gets into his routes, uh, and that ranked number one, when he gets into his routes, he's got 3.5 yards of separation in route, which is number six in the NFL for a tight end. Um, and then he's on the field as well for blocking uh, snaps as well, rushing snaps. Uh, 130 of them last year with one blown block, second fewest in the NFL out of the tight end position. Which is weird because he's not he's he's not only not known as a blocker, he's known as a very bad blocker. So yeah, uh, and what, so that was maybe a misnomer a little bit. He's six four, two forty five, so undersized for an inline guy, and they're not going to mm-hmm. ask him to inline block every time. But a guy that could stay on the field, you know, when they can't switch out, you know, have substitutions and so forth, um, he holds his own. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a guy like that, you go from 41 receptions to 60, you've increased your yards, you know, 150, 200 yards, and you're adding a few more touchdowns. That's a guy that's, you know, taking his game and really contributing to the offense. That's my first breakout player. No, I think that's a great one. In fact, that's one of the players that I had listed um, in mine. And there's a couple of things. It's like last year, he started out hurt. Then he was on the practice squad. He only played in 11 games, but he still had a, a pretty big impact. He was actually a breakout player last year because he went from having that's true. Um, you know, four catches for 52 yards to having uh, 41 receptions for 350 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, he was a big part of the offense down the stretch. Uh, the team depended on him for a lot of third down conversions. Uh, and he responded by playing really well. And he became uh, the go-to tight end uh, in for the offense after Disley got hurt. And so it was, it was kind of nice to see him kind of just, develop into that role. And now he's going to get an opportunity to be that guy. And I would not have included him if it hadn't been for the injury of uh, Colby Parkinson, the rookie who is going to eat into those snaps because they play the same role. Uh, And at six, seven, um, you know, you're going to see like the touchdowns and stuff go Parkinson's way because he's just a bigger red zone uh, target. But with his injury and his inability to, uh, you know, because he'll be recovering right up, right up, right up to week one, and maybe uh, after week one, but at least right up to week one, which means he's going to miss all of training camp, all the preseason, all that practice time. He will, and we haven't had an off season where he's, you know, he's gotten ahead and learned stuff there. So I could just see him just not being ready for a role come week one. And if that's true, well, then you're going to see Hollister continue to get a lot of opportunities. And if he comes in and plays well and shows that rapport that he developed with Russell Wilson last year, uh, he's going to be a guy that uh, they're going to keep him on the field because you're not going to take a productive player off the field. Um, you know, if he comes oh, he on, he kept us in the playoff hunt last year. I mean, yeah. look at that. Look at that. Um, going from nothing. Like you said, he had four receptions, 52 yards. Nobody expected any contribution from him. Um, and then he was injured and then he finally, you know, came in towards the end of October and, uh, and, and Disley had been out for a, for a couple of weeks or a week mm-hmm. and it was perfect timing for him to come in and establish himself. And man, he really did. I mean, we really needed those 41 receptions, those oh, yeah. touchdowns. I mean, those are clutch, um, 
clutch plays, you know, at a time where we really needed him. So I just see him, you know, having the ability to take it even further, adding additional games to the season. Mm -hmm. I think that he can have a sustained impact over the whole course of the season. And Um, I don't think it's unreasonable to uh, expect his, not just to take what he did over 11 games last year and project it to 16, but, but to expand on his production because, you know, he, his uh, catch percentage, which is of the balls that were thrown in his direction, um, how many did he actually catch, uh, was 69.5%, which is on the low side. And for a guy with really good hands, what that would say to me is that the reason why it was low is because Wilson threw the ball over his head out of bounds, you know, on throwaways and that kind of stuff on some of them. But this is a guy that could, he could raise that to 75% pretty easily. And that adds a few more uh, receptions to his total. His um, receptions per game was only 3.7, which was a lot lower than I was expecting. I was expecting it to be up just under five. So, you know, that's something that I, I think he could improve on there too. So it's not just having more games where he's to increase his productivity, but it's being more productive in each game as well. And so I think uh, that Hollister becomes a solid choice as a breakout player for next year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it is, you know, in theory, a contract year for him yet again. He'll be mm-hmm. an, an unrestricted free agent next year. And so he could definitely earn a pretty sizable paycheck um, if if he plays as expected. Mm-hmm. So uh, who did you have on your list uh, to talk about first, Keith? Um, so I wanted to go with alignment and... Uh, talk about our new starting center, and that's uh, B.J. Finney coming over from uh, Pittsburgh, where he was uh, kind of a reserve. He played some center, played guard, played the other guard spot, uh, got starters minutes because he was always playing, but bounced around. This is his first time where he's going to be uh, a full-time starter at center, and it's it's he is built to be a center he is i mean that's his profile he plays guard he played guard in pittsburgh because they had a um an all pro at center in pouncy uh but you know he finney is a guy that he is a center and he was a center playing out of position at guard and now he's going to get a chance to play center full time and i expect him to have for him a breakout year and just be really good um, I expect he's going to be better than Britt because Britt was, you know, kind of, he was like league average and he's going to be way better than Joey Hunt was uh, the second half of last year, who was overall fairly poor um, as a starter. And so to, to get that, they're going to, they're basically getting this big upgrade uh, at a, that position uh, by having a guy that is kind of, I mean, that's who he is. He's built to be a starting center. And so uh, I just think that's it, that counts as a breakout year for me. And I know it's going to be hard to show statistically, um, but I expect him to have a much bigger role and contribution to the Seahawks this year than he's had at any other year in his career when he was yeah, with he, Pittsburgh. You know, he's and he's more in line with the size of like Justin Brett. Joey Hunt's really undersized. This guy's 6'4", 318. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in the year since 2015, and he's just now getting his chance uh, to, to start. Uh, he hasn't been bad. Last year he played 325 offensive snaps for Pittsburgh, had one penalty in all of those snaps, one sack allowed. Um, he's 
Pro Football Focus has him as a 72 uh, overall grade in pass blocking and 52.1 in run blocking. Um, so definitely right now a better pass blocker, um, but it, it's a small sample size. Um, so they feel confident after watching all the tape to, to come in and, and give him the job and allow him to start. When you take a look at the roster uh, behind Finney, it's Hunt, Posick, and, and Fuller. So mm-hmm. it's clear that that job is his. Um, so you're right. I mean, here's a guy that's got five starts and is going to start, you know, 17, 18 games, you know, hopefully well, um, he, more he than has, that for you. He has 13 career starts, but he's played in, in uh, 59 games. Uh, in his career, but he's got 13 career starts. Um, how many sacks has he given up in his entire four-year career? Do you know? Uh, let me see if I can find that really quick. Uh, I have it, so I'll just give it to you. It's 0. Okay. 0.00. That's how many sa- sta- sacks he's given up ever. I had him shown as giving up one last year. Pro football um, focus, anyway. I'm looking at pro football reference, and they've got him at zero. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's a... That is, um, this is, a guy, this is a guy that <laughs> that's can, outstanding. This is a guy who can pass block and he's really right. good at it. And to have someone who can pass block in front of Russell Wilson is going to be new. <laughs> we haven't well, had a great and, pass and blocker in front this. of him in a long well, time. Well, think about that. I mean, Britt has always been a fairly decent run blocker and a poor pass blocker. And mm-hmm. you, you take a look at the way that Russell Wilson has been used over his entire career. Um, he's, for whatever reason, those passing lanes in the middle of the line have just not been there. And so he has been rolling out to be able to, to throw slants and um, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff in the middle and utilize the tight ends better and all that kind of stuff. And so the guy up the middle, like you said, being able to pass block and, and set that um, that wall up there up front, especially with our guards, um, we could end up having a better short game this year, passing wise. Um, you know, obviously so. we're going to stretch the field on the sides, but um, slants and underneath routes and um, slot, you know, catching balls out of the slot and stuff could be a big, a big thing this year that we haven't seen before. Cool. Was there? Who's your next one? All right, next one's a new guy to the team for me. Uh, he's been around a little bit. Philip Dorsett, wide mm. receiver, uh, yep. 2015 first-round draft pick. He's 5'10", 192. Seahawks picked him up this year on a one-year deal. His last stop was in New England, where he's catching balls from Brady. Um, in 2019, he had 29 receptions, 397 yards, five touchdowns. And he was basically their lone deep threat guy um, catching those balls. Um, now in moving to Seattle, um, he will have at least two other deep ball threat options and the best deep ball thrower in the NFL Mm -hmm. in Russell Wilson. Um, the thing to keep in mind with Dorsett is he's never really lived up to that first round kind of thing. He's failed to reach 35 receptions or 600 yards in any single season. Um, and then if Josh Gordon, who we've talked about before, gets reinstated. This spot kind of goes to Josh Gordon. 
Um, Josh Gordon's had breakout seasons before, so I'm not, I wouldn't put him on this list, but he would take basically Dorsett's, you know, you would take a bunch of, at least quite a share of the snaps. Right. Um, so, but Dorsett's got an opportunity, I think to have a, a career year, um, here with those factors I just mentioned. And the fact that, um, if you take a look at the offensive line when we brought in this year, uh, signs point to us throwing the ball better or at least more efficiently. Now we've been in a very efficient throwing team, but adding a guy like Dorsett, having all the weapons that Russell Wilson has right now, uh, gives you an opportunity to have Philip Dorsett in single coverage a lot. And if you can stretch the field with him, Metcalf on the other side, lock it underneath. Um, this could be something where he could end up having 35, 40 receptions, 500, 600 yards, you know, a dozen or more uh, touchdowns. He could have the impact that we always thought Jerron Brown had the potential of having. This mm-hmm. is a more of a proven commodity and I think gives uh, some more upside to the, to the offense. Yeah, I mean, this is a very similar uh, pickup for the Seahawks that Jerron Brown was. This is a guy who, um, I mean, right, because it's a someone who is on their second contract, but you, you sign for not a lot. Um, you come in, you expect a, a role player. You're not expecting someone to come in and be a star. Um, and they've got a track record that's okay. It's not great. Yeah, um, it's okay. I mean, I'd, big, take, I'd take 30 receptions, 400 yards, and five TDs from – Dorset this year. I mean, yeah. that's the floor for him, I think, in this offense. Well, and you look at when I look at this, and I I, I go through, and I'm like, okay, who were his who were his quarterbacks? Well, for the last three years, um, his quarterbacks have been the New England Patriots. So that means Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady is great at getting the ball out super quick and making those reads, and he's got a lightning pass release and all that. But you know what he doesn't do well? Throw the ball deep. He's he doesn't have the arm for it. He did at one point in his career ten years ago, but he hasn't had he hasn't been a deep ball thrower um, since Moss left. Um, and uh, so since then, I mean, he is a dink and dunk, you know, efficient move the ball that way. And Dorsett doesn't fit that uh, at all. He's a straight line burner with just insane speed to get downfield. So yeah, not, eight forty at the combine. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who it's just not a good fit. Um, as far as his skill set and the team's offense and scheme and all of that, that was not a great fit. Um, when he was in Indy, um, you know, I mean, there was, I think one year where he had luck, but then another year when it was, um, Jacoby Brissett was the primary um, thrower. And so again, you run into that same issue. And so it it's very tough to um, say that, oh, that's all he is, is, you know, a, a 25 reception, 350 yard kind of guy. Um, he just seems to be uh, a guy who's kind of misused. And uh, and it's not the fault of the coach. It's more just his skill set and the quarterbacks he's playing with aren't a great fit. And for the first time, first time ever, um, his skill set, which is getting deep and getting behind people, and his quarterback skill set, which is the best deep thrower in the NFL, um, it's a nice fit. And so to have him get on the field and to stretch the ball deep, and you know that teams are not going to be focused on him. They're going to be yes. focused on, on DK Metcalf because Metcalf is 
you know, absolutely one of the biggest threats on the field anytime he's out there because he's so big and so fast and so physical. He's t- such a, a dominating presence that that's where the safeties are going to be looking. That's where and the then ex- you got extra coverage is going to go. And yeah, and then you've got Lockett, who's yeah. uh, he a tiny guy, but is insanely productive and one of the best receivers in the NFL um, when you look at his efficiency and productivity too. And so, you know, Dorsett's going to be the third option. Or um, even the fourth or fifth, because that you're going to have Olsen, you're going to have Disley, then Hollister, you got, you got people coming out of I the mean, backfield. I mean, this <laughs> they have a lot of options, and so they do. who who do you double team? Who do you take away? All that kind of stuff. Like Dorsett's going to be way down on that list as far as uh, defense. He's going to find himself matched up against linebackers occasionally as a slot receiver um, or a strong safety. He's going to be able to. He's gonna. They're gonna find mismatches. Yeah, I mean, this and, is gonna be a really interesting uh, offensive year for Schottenheimer. If you really think about it, with all these weapons that he he's got, the ability to yeah. scheme things. So Schottenheimer's never really been a scheme guys open type of offensive coordinator, and um, it'll be interesting to see how that tweaks just a little bit this year. Because you definitely want to take advantage of some mismatches. I mean, if you ever get DK Metcalf on an island, you got to take advantage of that. If, mm-hmm. if Philip Dorsett is out there and he's he's on a guy that's that's oversized, you know, or a big uh, safety or linebacker that's not going to be able to stay with him, you got to send that guy deep. Yeah. Well, and you send you know? him deep, and then you watch what the free safety does. Because if if you send him deep, and the free safety recognizes that his linebacker is going to get torched and runs out of position to get over yeah, there to help. Exactly. Well, now you got a big gaping hole in the middle of the field for Lockett to um, run a post pattern in and go for yeah. touchdown, right? So you you have those kind of situations where the, the Seahawks are going to be able to dictate some of those matchups and the defenses, they just don't have, you can't focus on everybody. And, well, and, and the so, weird thing is, is uh, this actually opens it up for Russell Wilson to to have a, a really decent running year this year as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, because they're going to be dropping people back and dropping exactly. people back, and so exactly. he's going to he's going to have more a little bit more time. Plus, their pass blocking should be significantly better. Um, and if they give him lanes, especially you know in the second half, if the offense has kind of been sputtering a little bit, what does Wilson do? He starts picking up first downs with his feet a lot. Um, mm-hmm in order to gain some of that time, gain some of that rhythm, string together some first downs, and then the offense suddenly improves. And when he starts doing that, it's great things for the Seahawks. And he should have more opportunities um, to do that this year. Because Yeah, I think this is an underrated signing, Philip Dorsett. I mean, I think it's it's one of those deals where, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, Jerron Brown was just such a huge disappointment. You know, we could have used the production out of, out of him and if we can get philip dorsett to get uh, 35 receptions 500 yards six tds it'll be a tremendously successful season because that those stats alone will point to the fact that we were very successful um in other areas of the offense in order for that to happen so so we're we are our three for three here on picking players that were on my list really so yeah um i was i guess i wasn't paying attention awesome. uh so okay, so where do we diverge is it right here it's probably at this point because I know, um, but why don't you go ahead and give us another one? Okay. Because okay. I mean, we're, we're like I said, we're three for three for mine. Well, so. you went you went for an offensive lineman last time. I'm doing my offensive lineman right here, and it's not Finney. 
Okay. It's Phil Haynes. Nice. Phil Haynes last year started one game, and it was a playoff game at the end of the year against the Green Bay Packers. Um, and that was it. You Played know, well. he had, I think he was in for a, he was in for a, um, for an extra point or something like that. They ended up getting blocked. That was his only other play in the entire year, other than the Green Bay game. Yeah, but he wasn't. Um, he wasn't six, the four, reason three, why three, it got <laughs> No, he wasn't. Well, he wasn't. I mean, uh, <laughs> Fetty was in there, and so you yeah. could you could easily blame him, and I'm sure you would. Um, um, actually, if you go back and <laughs> if you go back and actually watch the tape, it's a Fetty who gets pushed back four yards um, by the guy who blocks it. So, yes, yes, it was him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fourth round, 2019, Phil Haynes, left guard. He's a big guy, road grader, really loved the pick at the time, and then he started the season on the um, the pup list after mm-hmm. sports hernia surgery um, before training camp started, and that basically ruined it for him. Yeah. Um, didn't get a chance to, to have a regular season snap at guard. Um, like I said, his only playing time was at Green Bay. Kind of mixed results there, but you know, whatever. That's that's a tough game to go in and yeah, start after you haven't played all year. Yeah, your only your only your only snaps all year are a playoff game against the Packers. Uh, I thought he played well. You said mixed results. I guess there were some uh, pass blocking snaps where he, you know, yes, he struggled a little bit. He got bulldozed a little bit. But as a run blocker, he did really well. I mean, that's and that's who he is. He's a guy that uh, basically he is a younger, less well should be less injury prone uh, and significantly cheaper version of Mike Lupati. Just absolutely yeah. well, um, and that's the deal. Keith, he's on my list because I expect him to beat out Mike Lupati out of training camp and mm-hmm. be on the breakout player list because. If he doesn't, he doesn't make this list. So uh, I want him to be able to beat Mike Potty. There's nothing against Mike Potty, um, but he's an older vet. We're paying him a lot of money. Phil Haynes deserves an opportunity. I think if he gets the opportunity and he's not injured, I think he beats him out. Because mm-hmm. it, if you end up starting Finney and Haynes and then Damian Lewis uh, on, at right guard, I think that you've got a really nice nucleus there to stick together for a long time. Yeah. You basically, those, those three guys, you have your, the interior of your line set for the next three years. And, um, even if Mike Lupati starts the season as the starting left guard, he won't, I don't believe he'll be there. He won't start 16 games. Um, Hayes is going to get his chance. He's going to get playing time. He's going to be in there. Um, and so I think he can have a breakout year anyway. Um, even if he doesn't, uh, even if he isn't the starter week one, uh, because I, when was the last time Mike Lupati played uh, a yeah. 16 game season? Yeah. He's right? good for about 10 games. Yeah. And so you're going to get, Hayes is going to get his opportunity. And what we saw last year from Lupati is that he is replaceable. He's just, he's not that good anymore. He's, he's older. He's taken his injuries. He's battled. He's um, a you know a good leader and a guy who will fight through a lot of stuff, but he just isn't the athletic specimen he once was as far as just the pure power in the running game. So he is uh, replaceable, and you've got a young kid who has the same athletic uh, qualities that Lupati used to have, and 
I, Hayes is going to get a chance, and I, I expect him to do well. I didn't have him on my list. This is the first one that that uh, hasn't been, and the reason why is because I don't trust Pete Carroll to give the job to the younger player um, because of the fact that I expect Damian Lewis to start at right guard, and I with BJ Finney being new and Shell being new um, on yeah. the line, and yeah. I'm like he's going to be like. I can't have four new starters week one. Um, so he's going to get, that's the legit argument. Yeah. And so that he's going to give, he's basically like Lupati is going to get the job and that it's, he's only going to lose the job by either being terrible or by injury. Um, and I expect Hayes to get a chance to play and he's going to get on the field because there's no way Lupati makes it through a whole season without getting hurt. But I didn't put him on my list and I went with Finney as my lineman because of that dynamic. And that's yeah. it, but it's still a good pick by you. I like it. All right. You're next. Uh, my ne- next one is going to be one that I think we are both going to agree on. Um, and that is going to be wide receiver DK Metcalf. Um, nice. Even though he was a rookie. I had last- him as my, I had him as my number one guy. Even though he was a rookie last year, he still could count as a um, a breakout player. As a breakout player, because he he just he was incredibly good, just way better than we ever would have expected him to be. And I know people are going to look at that and be like, "No, we that is what we expected him to be." Um, but. Honestly, a rookie, especially on this We spent the better part of the entire 2019 season tamping down expectations for him last year, Keith, because it was like, it was so easy to fall in love with the prospect and dream about a receiver that he ended up becoming, but not Mm -hmm. this year. There's no, we're not tamping down expectations this year. I think we're probably even elevating them slightly. Oh, yeah, because there's no reason to tamp him down now. Uh, I mean, you go into and you're like, okay, it's a rookie and he, you know, he's going to have to learn all this stuff. And, you know, all, there, all, there, there were reasons to think that last year. There aren't now. Um, and so you're taking a, talking about a guy who, um, you know, in 16 games, he had 100 targets, right? That's a lot. Of, that's a target share. But he went for uh, 58 receptions. Um, 900 yards and seven touchdowns, which is way more than, than we expected, uh, for him. The, the one drawback out of all of this is that 58%, uh, catch percentage. I mean, that's low. That's well, check this out. So in the playoffs, he had 11 receptions for 218 yards and a touchdown. So his, Mm -hmm. his, his reception catch rate went from 58%, which you just mentioned is, is poor Mm -hmm. to 78.5% in the playoffs. So there is some optimism there that that yeah. and and that that um, catch rate did go up towards the end of the year as well. So it did from that from about that Philly game, that regular season game on, mm-hmm. he started really performing well. And his his route tree expansion during the the his rookie year, you know, uh, was very encouraging. Um, so that in the 2020 version of DK Metcalf, I think the entire offense is open to him as far as all the routes and all that stuff. So they're going to be moving him around all over the place, creating mismatches. We already talked about all the other uh, weapons that, that Russell Wilson has, which is only going to make DK Metcalf's life as a wide receiver that that is got the spotlight on it now mm-hmm. um, easier. 
because there's just going to be too many guys. And if if it is, if it happens to be that DK Metcalf, you know, spends two or three or four games throughout the year being the decoy guy in order for the offense to just completely flourish for everyone else, so be it. But I still think that if you take a really realistic, like realistic look, if you go from 58% to say 65% catch rate, um, maybe even slightly more, I don't it just depends on how they use him. But he could end up having 75, 80 receptions, 1,200, 1,300 yards, 10 TDs, Pro Bowl. I mean, that's the kind of situation that I'm expecting from DK Metcalf. He just has premier all-pro wide receiver ability written all over him. Yeah, I mean that, and that that is who he is athletically. Um, he is a guy that you put in the same category as Julio Jones and um, Nuke Hopkins as potential, you know, best receiver in the NFL kind of player. Um, he was really raw coming into the NFL. He dropped for uh, fairly obvious reasons, but he lived up to a lot of that promise last year and really showed us the talent that he has. And he can absolutely improve on his statistics from last year and really be a difference maker, a guy that can just dominate games when needed. And that's what I expect from him. And so that's where I, how I threw him in here as a, um, as a breakout player, because even though he had a great year last year, well, and we uh, did. We said we already made the rules before. We said no rookies can be yeah. breakout players. Yep. So, so like I said, even though he had a great year last year, he's still going to have a breakout year because he's going to be that much better. That's and that's, that's to me. To other uh, it is frightening. Remember, this is a kid that's twenty-two years old. <sighs> he's young. Dude, look at look at what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> I got my nice. DK. They got my brand new first time yep. I've ever worn it. DK Medcalf jersey on. Nice. You guys that can't see nice. it, but that's what's happening. Um. Yeah. I wholeheartedly endorse your uh your breakout player in DK Medcalf. I mean, he's he is everything that everybody thinks he is. Um. Mm-hmm. And potentially much more. Which is just extremely exciting. I mean. It's been a long time since Seattle's really had a weapon um, in this sort of caliber. Um, and it's hard to even think of, of one. Um, and he tilts the field. I mean, John Schneider likes players like that, mm-hmm. loves players like that. Who would, he's you pick, the guy. who would you say was the last player of that caliber uh, at the position? In, that in the wide receiver form. for the Seattle Seahawks? Brian Blades, maybe. See, I would have said pre pre injury Sidney Rice when he first came over yeah, from Minnesota. Sidney Rice never did it for me. Oh, he was so good. Yeah, but he was good at Minnesota. Now, when he, he got good. to Seattle, he just doesn't. He, did, yeah. he was. Never. I mean, remember he was playing with um, Tavares Jackson. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, I know. I know. Yeah, and then you know when when he. And then the first year when with Russell, even then he was he was injured and, and struggling a little bit. He still did things at the, at the the position that we hadn't seen. Brian Blades would be a good one. Um, I would have probably said Joey, Joey Galloway. Galloway. Yeah, that would probably Joey Galloway. Yeah, you know. I mean, Cal- and quite frankly, you can go back to to Largent now. Uh, I mean, those that's a are different some, kind of guy. Yeah, I know. There's a different kind of guy. The guy that can blow it off is probably Joey Galloway. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but but even DK, there's something about the DK Metcalf situation, just the size and the, um, the the length and the speed combo that DK Metcalf even separates him from all those guys. Yeah, um, I mean he. This is a guy with all pro potential, as you said. So um, cool. Um, is that all five for you, or do you have one more? I have one more. Why don't you do yours? Because my last one, I think, is going to be controversial, and it'll be fun to to end on. So nice. go for it. Controversy, yes. We don't have that very <laughs> often on this show. No. Um, okay. You're too. You're too agreeable. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So mine is um, mine is fully dependent on health, and I admit that. Mm-hmm. But given uh, given the opportunity, I and and the health. Uh, Will Disley is my choice. Um, now, DK Metcalf was my my number one overall breakout player. Um, and I kind of had laid these out in order, but we, we talked about him. So Will Disley was my number two guy. Tight end, 6'4", 265, fourth round in 2018. Had the patellar tendon thing in 2018, shortened his season. The Achilles in 2019. Um you know, here's here's the deal, though. If you project what Will Disley has done in 10 games total into a full 16-game schedule, he would post uh, an 87.1 grade from Pro Football Focus in receiving 55 catches, uh, 743 yards, 11 touchdowns. I mean, that's kind of Rob Gronkowski kind of numbers. And um, on top of that, he is a... He is really really good at blocking yeah like we talk about the receiving stats when it comes to tight ends but that's only half their job um and and in some situations it's less than half their job being able to block especially line up you know next to the right tackle and block a uh defensive end one-on-one is something that tight ends are asked to do and most a lot of tight ends fail at that disley doesn't he is a top of the line uh, in line well, after. if you take a look too at his his catch rate, so seventy five point six. So we just talked about DK Metcalf being at fifty six. This guy's mm-hmm. catch rate is seventy five point six. No, it's only a ten game sample. I understand that, but it's thirteen point five yards per uh, reception. Um, if you t- if you really think about it, this guy at the tight end position has a very similar effect on the game that DK Metcalf has from the wide receiver position, just in terms of overall effect on the efficiency of the offense and, and so forth. <clears throat> and you combine that with Olsen, who comes in. Uh, in 2019, Olsen had 52 receptions for 600 yards and four touchdowns. You add that to Disley, and you end up with one of the best one-two tight end combinations in the entire league. Um, and, and Pete Carroll said this, on October 18th on a Cairo news radio interview. He said, as a matter of fact, he's talking about Disley. His surgery on Thursday was really successful. He had a minimally invasive procedure that worked about as perfectly. And he'll come back as a a good couple of months before he would have gotten back otherwise. Mm -hmm. And also word, you know, out on the street now is that Will Disley is nearly a hundred percent. Uh, and working out at 100% speed, posted a couple of videos, et cetera, cutting and all that stuff. Um, 
I just think that this guy is like primed to have a breakout season. So if he were to stay healthy for the entire season, we'd be talking about a Pro Bowl possibly for Will Disley. Oh, and I think this is a great pick. I didn't include him uh, in my list because I need to see him stay healthy. He's only made it through 10 games in two years. And um, the patellar tendon was really unfortunate. And the Achilles actually isn't a huge surprise because if you look at other players that have had the patellar tendon injury, um, either an Achilles or a calf um, tear on the other leg the following year, yeah. it's really, really common. Well, and that's and it what was happened only to him, a partial so. too. It wasn't a full rupture. It was a partial yeah. tear. And that's a huge difference, I think, in it this is. situation. Um, and so... Um, you know, like I said, like it, it was a, a single unfortunate injury. I think the second one is it's you can entirely just say, oh, it's because of the uh, the first one, and so you can kind of not go into the um, situation where, you're, where we're talking about him being injury prone or silly things like that. But at the same time, I need to see him do it. Stay I do, healthy too. I, and, I do too, but I put him on my list anyway because he's, he's just too good not to. He's such a good player. Um, way, way better than he ever showed in college, which is crazy to me that a guy that looked like he just had no athleticism and couldn't run um, you know, on his college tape can come to the pros and look like an all pro when he's out there, um, or at least a pro bowl or maybe not an all pro, but um, still a one of the better players in the league at his position. Well, I mean, if you take uh, a look at him statistically, weird. if you go to that catch rate, you go to the yards per reception, you go to mm-hmm. the uh, overall catches and yards and the, and the touchdown productivity that he has, um, and you look at Kelsey, and you look at Gronkowski, and you look at Kittle, he's on par with every single one of those players. Yeah. So um, if you go through one of the things that I like to do when, when you start sorting players and whatnot is I like to look at yards per target because then that cake, that counts into effect the, the that catch rate, right? Because the lower, lower catch rate, it's hard to have a high yards per target because you're, um, all those targets count against you if you don't catch them. And, you know, you do that, he is, you know, the players that are above him are all players that have tiny samples like Josh Gordon and Nick Ballore. Malik Turner. Um, he's better on yards per tar- target than Tyler Lockett, who's the next player underneath him. DK Metcalf was right underneath Tyler Lockett. Um, and I mean, to me that, that says a lot right there. So you have, you look at, at that and he's that high on the list in terms of um, yards per target. And then the, the surprising one out of all of those, when I started looking at that was Hollister is down near the bottom. Uh, of the team and yards per target. So yeah. uh, I was I was expecting him when I when I first started looking into this. I expected him to be near the top because it just felt like he, every time he uh, got an opportunity, he was picking up a first down. But I think that's part of it is that he got all of those well, receptions Will, and first downs at short on short catches. Will Disley generated fourteen first downs on twenty three receptions in six games. So that's. That's wow, decent that's, production that's, right there. That's great, actually. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, okay. So that was my guy at the at the top. So you said yours was controversial. Prove it. Uh, I have a controversial one. My my fifth, which I, I saved this one for last, but it's not my number one. Um, my oh, number okay. one, my number one was uh, DK Metcalf, but I saved this one for last because I thought it would be the be the most fun. Um, and that would be Rashad Penny 
as a breakout player. Wow. And you're going to be nobody wait, is what? talking about Rashad Penny right now no. because Rashad Penny had a devastating knee injury late in the year. He will not be ready to play week one. He will be on the pup what? list. He won't come back to play until week what seven. What if he is ready though? He won't be. I've he's, been hearing rumors that he's possibly ahead of schedule. Even if he's ahead of schedule, he still is not going to have practiced before week one. I don't expect it. He'll be on the pup list. But here's the reason why I put him on the list. If you go back and look at last year, which was his second year um, and his best year uh, pre-injury. He had like 70 carries for 350 yards. 65 carries for 370 yards. Um that's not I, that's his best year because the year before he barely played, um, but he was really coming on, um, eating into Chris Carson's snap. More? I think because I don't know. I think Especially early on with Chris Carson's like seven or eight fumbles. I just didn't early get it. on early on in the year. Uh, you know, Penny had a, a nagging hamstring injury, and so they eased him into the role. But once he started getting touches and started getting more playing time, he really started to. Uh, to eat into Carson's touches really started to become, um, you know, not just the second guy, but more like one a versus one B rather than one and two. Um, and in, if you look at his uh, yards per rushing attempt at 5.7, um, I mean, that's great. Carson was at 4.4. Uh, and so really looking like a guy that can, can make a major impact. Now he won't play. I, I'm honestly going to straight up say he won't play the first six weeks because uh, being on the pup list, he'll come back. And then he comes back to a crowded room with Chris Carson there. Yeah. And I mean, what if Hyde, Carlos Hyde has on pace for over a thousand yards? Then what do Car- you do? Carlos Hyde's there. DJ Dallas is there. And I know I'm higher on him than you are, but he's still a, um, a good player. Uh, and so he's going to come in and have to fight for snaps from those guys. But here's the thing we saw last year, right before his injury, that this is a guy that can take over a game and really dominate. And he's only got to do that a couple of games and he will outpace last year's production, which was his best year. If he gets out there and has a few games where he's, you know, the number two guy and getting like, um, 50 yards or 45 yards, maybe a touchdown here or there, um, and then has a couple of big games like we know he can, where he goes for over 102 scores and that kind of stuff. Now suddenly he's gone from 370 yards to 500 yards on the year. He's gone from uh, three touchdowns to six, and that's a breakout year for him yeah. because and and he will have done it in a year that was half a year i mean he totally well, if he is stays possible. healthy until the end of the year through the end of the year uh it's easier to move on from carlos hyde next year and bring mm-hmm. rashad penny back in especially in a chris carson um contract chris, year chris carson's also yeah i mean he's in a contract year so penny coming in if he does well during once he comes back from his injury and we're going to remember he's He's going to be 24 next year. He's just still a really young guy, despite the fact that it's his third year. Um, and so he's going to have an opportunity to show that he can be the, the lead. And then you're like, okay, if he's going to be the lead, we still need another guy. Uh, what do we have in DJ Dallas? They'll learn that this year. And then they'll be like, do we want to bring Hyde back? 
if he, we can get get him on a discount again, um, do we want to pay Chris Carson? Because I think he's going to demand mm-hmm. a big salary. I don't know if the team wants to go big. You know, as far as the salary, what there. would you what would you so. give for Chris Carson? That'd be a realistic. Like, would you do a three year, uh, twenty one million dollar deal for Chris I Carson? I do that. I do for your seven seven and a half million dollars a year. Yeah, I mean, I I do that because, and part of it would be the way the guaranteed money would set up is after two years, if I needed to, I could cut him. So, because are you more? I mean, we're paying Carlos Hyde close to the league minimum. Rashad Penny's on a rookie deal. Chris Carson's on a rookie deal. We're not paying any running back right now. Why would you pay Chris Carson seven million a year for seven fumbles a year and twelve hundred yards? When you can um, get when you can get eleven hundred yards out of Carlos Hyde on a minimum, or Rashad Penny comes on and gives you close to a thousand. Hyde's not making the minimum. He's making four million dollars this year. Is he? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm so, not paying it. Sorry, I don't have the information in front of me. Right. <laughs> this, I'm just kind of talking. But um, I mean, running backs are and and this conversation is not just with the Seahawks. This is with every team. Mm-hmm. Why are we going to pay a guy a back. to be the number one running back going forward for the Seattle Seahawks? I mean, we did with Marshawn Lynch. We haven't since, but now well, we're in it, that position again where we yep. need to pay somebody maybe. And do we, considering if you look at, all the other deals that we need to get done? I mean, Carson is, he's a premier back. He really is. If you look at his production yards per carry at 4.4 his touchdowns his ability to break tackles i mean he got 1230 yards last year despite um only you know he played in 15 games really played in 14 games because then uh laying the ball down seven times um yeah and so he kind of got he's he had had that but this is a his he did all of this despite having really poor blocking in front of him I mean, this is a guy who is, if you look at his um, yards per, what is it, yards per attempt after contact, he was like third in the NFL, which means he, in order to get to 4.4 yards per contact, he was having to earn Who was fourth in the NFL? I don't remember. I didn't, I don't have that in front of me. Was it? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you you know what I mean? So you're you're talking about guys who, this was, he was, Carson's production is not a function of his offensive line. It's a production of him just being really good at his job. And uh, I think that if you can get him on a team friendly deal, like the three year, you know, 21 million. So you're paying 7,000 or 7 million a year uh, for him. And then you, you know, that after two years, if things aren't working out, if you're starting to break down, you can, you can move on, you do it. And then you have, you have Penny still there. You've got DJ Dallas still there. You've got a nice running back room. And for a team that wants to run the ball a lot, you need to have more than one guy. Yeah. Um, and, and there's so, no question when you watch Chris Carson run too, it's exciting. It's fun. You feel good. You're glad he's the Seahawk. Mm-hmm. It's just that the numbers, it's just hard. You know, I think if Chris gives you, you know, 1300 yards again this year and fumbles the ball a little less, um, I think the Seahawks are going to pay him. It's just yep. a question of, is he going to get $5 million a year? Or is he going to get $8 million a year? And I think it's hopefully somewhere in between. Um, yeah. Like I said, I'd be willing to pay seven. I'm not willing to pay eight or nine. I'm certainly not going to go up into the um, Ezekiel Elliott range. I think the Cowboys are Do you think, you know, it'll really depend that. on if Chris Carson's realistic. Um, 
about getting paid and wanting to stay with the Seahawks. And so I, I don't know that right now. Uh, it's hard to know how a player is going to react um, to, uh, to, a, to a lower contract offer. You know, mm-hmm. does Seattle go in and, and offer 5.5? I know if I was Seattle, I'd probably try. Um, because you've, you know, you've got Homer, Dallas, Hyde, um, potentially available to, to come back, uh, Penny. Um, it's really, we're not so dependent on Chris Carson um, to have to pay hostage money, basically, to, to get him back on the team. So we've got some options there. It'll be interesting. Rashad Penny, breakout. Wow. I'm still trying to get over that, Keith. So, <laughs> Hey, I told uh, you. I told I, you I was going to bring one that would... Well, um, especially, I mean, every expectation is that he starts the, 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 the year on the pop and then Hyde's established himself and Chris Carson's there. And it's like, where does he get Kenny uh, p- carries? What if DJ Dallas comes in and has an okay year? I mean, Penny could end up having less carries than he had last year. True. But he could. If Chris I, Carson is hampered by injury, if Carlos Hyde is struggling at all, if uh, Dallas both of is those not guys quite are ready, good. Penny could come in and like really establish himself as a number one back. Uh, Hyde and Carson are both starting caliber backs, but they're also guys who don't play 16 games a year. They're, they don't, they're, these are guys that don't have, the durability is, is a concern um, for them. And so that's another reason to hedge against Carson. And, and I think that that is going to give Rashad Penny an opportunity to make an impact uh, down the stretch. Yeah. And, oh, and he could very well be returning uh, in, in season at a, at a moment in time where we need help. Mm-hmm. Um, because at six, seven weeks, you're, you're starting to break down, um, at certain positions and running back is one of them sometimes. And yep. so we'll see. So we, we thought we'd hold on to a couple of, uh, rookies just in case we decided that rookies should be part of a breakout, uh, uh, criteria. Um, we had a couple in reserve. I didn't write mine down, so I kind of made it up uh, right before we started the show. I kind of had one, though, that I wanted to include in my list uh, from the very beginning, but left off. Well, we we did set the rule that we weren't going to include rookies, but I wrote down rookies because I fully expected you to cheat and include <laughs> rookies. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I've got my list of five, but I've got a couple of rookies ready in case you change the rules on me. Okay. Uh, well, I'm changing the rules right now. Let's go for it. Let's add the <laughs> let's add our two rookies in. Okay. I think we should start with Damian Lewis on the And on I've the got him on my list as well. Because this guy is he's a monster. He is huge. He is powerful. He you do not find offensive linemen built like him. He is um DJ Fluker but younger, cheaper, and more durable. Um, big, powerful guy. He will he will take some of the best run-stuffing defensive tackles and drive them five yards backwards. Um, and if that doesn't count as something that you could get behind as a breakout, then I don't know what is. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, here's a guy with all the potential in the world. He's known right now as a as a mauler in the run game. Um, 
He's six two, two or three hundred and thirty pounds. He's a leader. He was a leader at LSU on their offensive line. He's kind of come in and uh, kind of take over that position. I think in time with the Seattle Seahawks, I expect him to start right out of the gate. I mm-hmm. think everyone else does too. Um, he's thick and powerful. He dominates, you know, in the in the run blocking. Um, needs a little bit of help uh, with with pass blocking, but he's got a couple of guys on each side of him that kind of excel in the in pass blocking. So I think he'll pick that up. Um, yeah, I'm excited, Keith, about a, a, a offensive lineman, um, which you know, for me, doesn't happen very often. Now you get excited at every little you know hey, opportunity and and so forth know, on the offensive there, line. I get that. I talk about offensive line and when I do people like change this, you know, the channel and go listen to a different podcast because nobody, <laughs> nobody cares about the offensive line but me. I get it. But honestly, I think this kid's going to be good. Yeah. He's just going to be good. So who do you have besides, um, well, another guy I actually thought about writing down just, I, and I don't even know why, uh, is, is another offensive lineman. Now, this isn't my pick that we're gonna, I'm going to talk about here because he's not a rookie, but it's Chance Wormack on the offensive line, a guy that's coming in that's 28 years old. Uh, spent the, Former first-round uh, pick. Former first-round pick. Uh, t- uh, Tennessee starting right guard for the first three seasons of his career. Injured reserve in 2019, was a reserve lineman for the Eagles in 17 and 18 before, you know, ending the season there on injured reserve. In 2019, he was completely out of football. Here's a guy that that was in Alabama, was like a top 25 recruit in the nation as an offensive lineman out of high school, 6'2", 223. He's one of those guys that you don't want to count out. Um, he comes in to compete all of a sudden he's a guy that can't be kept off the field for whatever reason I'm not saying you know maybe Damian Lewis has an, a little injury or a hamstring or whatever who knows right all of a sudden Chance Wormack gets his opportunity to come in and you can't keep him off the field he ends up starting and making a real big impact he could have a breakout year for you so, um, wait didn't 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 I just mention until we talk about cheating when we do these lists, that this is supposed to be the part where we talk about rookies and you're bringing in a guy who is, No, 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 no. He's not like, my guy. This is not my guy. This is not my guy. I didn't write anything down. I don't have him. I'm just saying he's a, he's another guy that you can consider on the offensive line. You really could. All right. Yeah. Here's my guy, my rookie. Um, okay. And darn it, just a couple weeks ago he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And otherwise he would have been a surefire uh, pick on this list, and that's Colby Parkinson, the yeah, tight end absolutely. out of Stanford. Fourth round pick, six foot seven, two hundred and sixty pounds, runs a f- sub four six six four six five forty something like that. Um, a guy that could really have an impact in the red zone this year. Now he's not going to probably give you forty receptions uh, as a rookie this year with all the other receiving talent that the team has, but. He could definitely have a, a fairly sizable impact for you in the red zone, especially if like a guy like Olson starts the year really strong and healthy and then breaks down a little bit. A guy like Colby Parkinson could come in and really contribute inside the 20 yard line for you and give you, you know, four or five touchdowns on on f- uh, just a few receptions. 
um, overall. So a guy that, mm-hmm. you know, has 15, 20 receptions on the year, give you five or six touchdowns. Uh, he could have that sort of an impact for you. So that would be another guy that I would be on my watch list as far as having an immediate impact as a rookie. Maybe not initially, but as the season goes on, uh, he might have an opportunity. Yeah, and so um, in a in a similar uh, a, a similar uh, vein in that, but at a different position, I'm going to go with uh, DJ Dallas as a potential guy because yes, he is in a crowded room, and it's going to get more crowded when when Penny comes back. But you know, Penny's coming back from a devastating knee injury. The other two guys above him are guys that you know, in college and in the pros have not been able to, you know, stay healthy for a long season. And so he is just like Travis Homer last year, who we thought was buried on the depth chart and would never play. Um, DJ Dallas is going to be given an opportunity at some point to show at some point uh, to show that he can be here. And uh, based on his tape from college, he can uh, he he belongs on this team. He he meets he checks all the boxes of what Seattle needs and wants at a running back, um, and I think that he's going to have a limited role. But when given the opportunity, he's going to take advantage of it. So that's a good one. There's going to be a small but vocal uh, Seahawks Twitter crowd out there that's going to go. Uh, you know, what about John Ursua? Yes, can't that guy come in? Uh, you know, he had that one reception that really helped us out in the one game and, you know, we kept him on the roster the entire season. They must really think highly of him. He's going to be able to compete, uh, come in and compete at, at the, out of that slot position for the Seahawks. Is he the guy that could really have an impact in a breakout season? The, the answer to all that is yes. Yes, of course he could. Um, do we think it's like, or do I think it's likely? I don't think it's likely only because of all of the other receiving options that are in front of him. Um, it, it's possible that he does beat out a guy like Philip Dorsett or a guy like David Moore for snaps um, or Freddie Swain that we drafted in the, in the sixth round in the draft. Um, yeah. John Ursery could come in and really have an impact. He'd be able to, uh, you know, another guy that you, you play, he makes every catch, uh, he gets uh, open somehow every you know on on every throw, and he's a guy that just makes plays. Uh, if that should happen, I'm going to be you know John Urser as cheerleader right up front, um, and that would be very exciting. I just don't know that it's likely with Tyler Lockett and Metcalf and Dorsett in front. Then you've got Olson and Disley at um, and and uh, Hollister that would be probably more likely targets from Russell Wilson than a guy like Ursua. But, but again, um, as the season goes on, a guy like Ursua could come into play and have an impact, I think, later on. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I, I hear you. I just, um, I really thought about putting him on my list. I really did. Um, And not just because I know there's going to be a very vocal um, part of our audience that will be like, well, how did you leave him off? Um, But just because if you go and watch his tape when he was at the University of uh, Hawaii, he has a unique skill set for this team. He's older. He's going to be 26 this next year. Um, And for a second year player, right? You think about like, 
you know, the other guys that are in their like fourth or fifth year that are, that are at the same age. Um, he's an older guy. And so that's going to work against him. But his skill set is he is so quick in the short area. His ability to change direction is incredible. Um, just watching some of the cuts and moves he makes makes my knees hurt because he can do that in a way that is inhuman and his ability to get open uh, in that. And when you go to it, if as the Seahawks move to a more pass friendly offensive line and hopefully a more pass friendly um, game plan, even though yes, they're going to run the ball and yes, they're going to get the running yards. Um, but the shorter passes and the, the quicker getting the ball out of his hands uh, quicker for Wilson, that plays into a guy like Ursula, his skill set, because it's unique on the roster and it's it's dominant in its in what he does. Now he's not never going to beat a guy deep, and he's not you know that kind of guy. Yeah, it's four he six is, five speed. Yeah, I mean he's he's not he's he's tiny but runs like a tight end as far as speed goes. Um, but that's not who he is. It's his ability to change direction at an insane rate of speed and with a suddenness that's just unheard of. Um, I mean, I the 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 uh, the comp that I keep coming back to for him is Wes Welker, the guy who had all those receptions with Tom Brady. Um, you know, in his career and, and because that's, and that's what he did, right? He was never a guy that would be deep, but he yep. would always get open. He was always open Frustrate somewhere in the middle of the of field. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't matter who you put on him because he was just that quick, um, not fast, but quick. And, uh, it's not a great fit for, um, Russell Wilson's skill set because he is a guy who loves to extend plays and throw deep and, and do those things. Whereas, you know, Ursa was going to be a guy that, Wilson's got to be hit his back foot on his second step and, and get the ball out of his hands type of thing. Um, but the talent's there, the potential's there. And I, I do like it, but I'm with you. You look at Lockett and you have Metcalf and you have Dorsett and you might have Josh Gordon. Where's the playing time going to come from? Where is Where's gonna, the spot on the roster? I think there's a spot on the roster for him, but to me, it's going to be a, how many snaps is he going to get, going to get a game five? Unless, unless there's a bunch of injuries. And I'm not going to count that as a potential for a breakout player if yeah, I'm expecting right. him to get just a few snaps a game. That's true. That's very true. You know what the exciting part is, Keith? Mm. All we did today was talk about the offense. I know. We've got an entire defensive lineup to go through uh, next week. So we get to do this all over again. And honestly, uh, I'll straight up and say this. The defense has some of the best stories as far as thinking about breakout players. There so are some, are we, are, there are some we're not doing rookies, right? Or are we going to do rookies on the defense? We're going to do it like we did today. So okay. no cheating. Fair enough. No cheating. <laughs> um, bring your list of five and then have a rookie or two ready that we can talk right. about afterward. Um, because you know, we're both going to want to talk about there's a couple of rookies in particular. I mean, I'm, we're not going to say the names, wait till next week, but there's a couple that seem pretty obvious for both of us. We know yeah. who we're going to pick. Um, yeah. But I've already got one that's going to surprise you. Sweet. I haven't done, <laughs> I haven't even looked at it yet, so I, I need to catch up, but uh, I'm looking forward to that show. These, these shows are so much fun. 
And, you know, we talked uh, this this last week, like, what are we going to do if the season's canceled or, you know, something? We got to, you know, we can't break our streak. What are we going to do? <laughs> I'm sure we'll come up with something that's fun and enjoyable. So, yep. If the um, season gets absolutely canceled, I um, there will be tears shed. I'll tell you that. Just the idea of, oh, man. of, of having a year without Seahawk football and just, that the way talk about it with my friends and you and and just get there's just a a community aspect to it that is a strong part of my life and i will miss it greatly if the seahawk season does not happen so we'll take we'll take um, uh listeners on a uh like a a replay ride or something of the you know some outstanding season that we all enjoy and, and uh, some outstanding season we all enjoy. Like see which one that could that be? A Super Bowl championship? Yeah, maybe. Perhaps. You know, what the heck? We might as yeah. well. We might as well do the one that we all really like that has a great outcome. <laughs> I hear. <laughs> huh. um, yeah. So, so you're not right. talking about 2005 then. Uh, yeah. Well, that could be interesting. I mean. There was some that's that's far that enough was, away where it that could was be such, interesting again. I hardly remember it to be completely uh, honest. I remember it in no, I mean I remember detail. the freaking ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so let's wrap this thing up and come back next week. So awesome. find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at NW Seahawk Northwest Seahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook on Twitter. SeahawksPlaybook.com has all of the shows. And subscribe on your favorite podcast app. So until next week, Keith, go go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Phil is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. The show is at Hawks Playbook. And you can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.